yo, there are many events coming up in the world of sports. It'd be great to be in attendance for such. Where can we get tickets? SeatGeek. You see, SeatGeek is an app that can help you find the best seats with the best deals. SeatGeek shows you different tickets available with green being the best deals and red not being the hot deals. The best part is it shows you where you'll be sitting at the event. If you use the code SPORTSMECCA, you could get $20 off your first purchase. Get your seat at SeatGeek today. Could it be you calling me down? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Sam Hengeli. Today, we have the opportunity to speak with assistant athletic trainer of the San Diego Padres, Ben Frazier. Ben, thanks for coming on today. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So anytime we talk to a person that's in a different profession of sports, whether that's a person like yourself, an athlete, we really want to get to know how they got into that profession. So in your case, you know, what really sparked your interest of becoming an athletic trainer and working in that field? When I first went to college, I didn't, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to do something in the medical field, but I wasn't exactly sure what exactly that was going to be. Um, and I really didn't know much about what athletic training was when I first started. So like when I was in high school, I played baseball. And I remember like in my senior year, like my shoulder got sore. And I went to my coach, like, you know, my shoulder's feeling really sore. You know, what should I do about it? He's like, well, I'll just go to the trainer's office. And I remember thinking like, what's like, what's a trainer's office? Like, what, like I just kind of looked at him funny, like, like, no, no, you just got to go into this room here and this, this person's in there and they'll kind of look you over and kind of give you some stuff to do. So I go in there and this, uh, this athletic trainer's in there and she does an assessment on me. And she's like, okay, you've got this going on, like do these exercises and you'll feel better. So I'm like, okay. So I go home and I do these exercises and lo and behold, I feel better. I'm like, oh, okay. So that was kind of really like my first exposure to like what athletic training was. I graduated from high school and I'm in college and I'm playing baseball there and college level like you have an athletic trainer that kind of follows you around like this is my first time where it's like there's somebody that's just with you all the time he's got this big duffel bag full of equipment he's got this chunk of ice and you know so I'm able to like kind of talk to him and kind of find out like what what is it that he's doing and what's what is it that an athletic trainer is so and he's kind of helping me with like I have like this elbow soreness and he's like rehabbing me and kind of treating me a little bit and then I kind of like well I'll just kind of look into this so I kind of meet with their program director and like, you know, this is what athletic training is. And I'm like, you know, this is like a really great avenue because I knew like I wasn't going to make a career out of playing baseball, but it was like, I could still stay connected to like being a part of like competitive sports and indirectly like working with players on daily basis while providing a medical care. So I went down that avenue and I haven't really looked back since. So talk to us about the, the schooling that you, that you went through, like the, the rigors of it Mm -hmm. and you know, how do you, was there a certificate that you had to get to, to, to become an athletic trainer for a team? So athletic training is an allied healthcare profession. So it's not like, okay, you can just kind of take this test and then like, okay, now you're a certified athletic trainer. Like you have to go through nowadays. Like it's when I first started, I just needed to have a bachelor's degree in athletic training and then sit for a board exam. And now you need to have a master's degree. Like it's at least five to six years of college. And then there's all the rigors that kind of go along with that. There's a lot of classroom work, but there's a lot of like practical work as well. So starting out early on, 
you're doing your classroom work, but you're in the athletic training working alongside certified athletic trainers as a student. So you're, you're getting hands-on experience from the very beginning and you're putting in hours just along with everybody else. So you're getting exposure working in different sports, whether it's contact sports, non-contact sports, you're working in schools, high schools, colleges, you're working in the industrial field, like you're being able to see like what exactly like the realm of what athletic training can provide. You do all of that, you sit for a board exam, then you have to get your licensure in your state. So it's order for you to practice, you have to go through all of this. So then when you're getting into professional baseball, it's just a lot like you're getting in any other sport. You have to, you know, provide a resume and you have to interview and you have to go through an internship process. And like, so when I first started, like, I didn't really, I didn't know anybody in baseball. I didn't have any connection. I just knew that I wanted to work in baseball. So I remember my junior year in college, uh, one of my best friends, I used to, used to go to school with me. He transferred down to Northern Arizona University. We're coming on our spring break and he's like, hey, you should come down to Arizona and see me and then we can go to spring training games. And we're both big baseball fans. Like, we'll do that. So then I was thinking, like, you know what, like, why don't I just send a letter out to every team and just see what happens? You know, maybe I'll pay my own way down there. I have my own room and board. I'm not expecting to do anything, but maybe they can just kind of like job shadow for a few days or for the week. So I sent my resume, my student resume, which really wasn't much other than, you know, I'm currently going to school and I've worked partially with a few sports, but I'm interested in baseball. So I send it out to all 15 teams. We'll see what happens. I'm not really expecting much. Well, you know, Seattle Mariners called and they're like, you know, if you guys want to come down, like we'll have you here for the week. You can job shadow like on the minor league side. I'm like, wow, this is great. So I go down there, spend a week job shadowing there. You know, had a great experience, you know, come back, finishing up school. I do the same thing my senior year, send the resumes out, go back to Seattle camp, stay there for the week. I graduate, I go on to grad school. Um, I'm at Indiana State at this time. I'm finishing up school. I'm like, okay, well, now I need to try to like apply for a full-time job. So I kind of take the same approach again. So I send my resume out to all 30 teams. I can figure, well, someone's at least got a bite. Midway through the year, like we're graduating in spring, spring, early summer. It's like, you know, baseball season's already like fully on at this point. Like I'm not really sure what I'll find, but I'll just kind of see what happens. Maybe I can do an internship there. Uh, the Oakland Days called. They're like, we have an internship position. You can, you can come follow around the athletic trainer with our minor league team in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know anything about Vancouver, but you know, I'll do that for a few months. Like that sounds like a great experience. So I did that for the summer. And then from there, I started applying for full-time jobs. So I applied and I got hired on with the Arizona Diamondbacks and I worked with their minor leagues for four years over there, uh, just working at their minor league affiliates. And then from there, I had an opportunity to join the Seattle Mariners as their assistant athletic training coordinator. So I kind of oversaw a lot of their minor league rehab based out of Peoria, Arizona. So I did that for five years and then San Diego Padres had an opportunity for me to come over there and, and be their minor league athletic training coordinator. So I would oversee all the minor league medical operations. So I went over there um, and I did that for two years. And then our head athletic trainer called me in the fall of fall or winter of 2019 and said that they had an opening at the major league level. And so I joined them soon after that. And I've spent the last two years at the major league level with the San Diego Padres. And we're hopefully getting ready to roll into our third season here. That's, that's a great story and great journey of, of your path. What have you found as really the, the big differences of working with minor leaguers and, and then major leaguers? I know obviously it's the, the aspect of the major leagues are obviously a higher level and the players are better, but was there a different connection when you worked with them? Sure. So at the minor league level, like we're all professional athletes, but they're still all very young. Like a lot of the minor league players, like we get internationally, there's some 
domestic from the United States, but like the age range for a lot of these minor league players are anywhere from 16 years old to 25 years old. So a lot of them are still kids and they don't really know what, you know, what they need. Some of them are cut, we're drafting them out of high school or drafting them out of international academies or some of them are college graduates. So some of them have a good feel for like what their body needs and what they need to prepare. And some of them really like, they don't, they don't really know too much. So there's, there's a big learning curve for a lot of these younger minor league players. So you can really build a connection with them by helping them establish like what the routine is and what they need to prepare. Because a lot of these guys, like they either coming out of high school programs or college programs, like they're just kind of following what their, what their program was, which, which was great. But now this is a much different level where instead of just playing, you know, spring ball or summer ball, like now you're, you're doing this eight, nine months out of the year, you know, this is your career for, for the foreseeable future. So there's, a lot more establishing what your foundation of strength is, your foundation of you know, your preparation, because trying to plan for playing 162 games in 180 some days, it's a much more rigorous process and it takes a lot more prep. So you can feeling, it's great that you're feeling good on April 1st, but like you may not be feeling as good on August 15th. So like a lot of like the smaller things that you got to do every day, that pays off big dividends when you're in the later dog days of summer. So. On the minor league side, there's a lot more of teaching. You know, this is what a good nutrition is. This is what we can provide you. This is what your good weight room program should be. This is what you should do. Like knowing your body that you've had these injuries in the past or you haven't had these things, this will kind of help offset a lot of that stuff to help kind of help you stay on the field longer and being able to perform at a higher level. So, but at the major league level, now you're working with players that have a lot of this already set. Like they know their body. A lot of what you're doing is just kind of giving them an adjunct to what they're already doing. So if a player comes in, I have this going on, like, well, you know, like this year, you have this long repertoire, like what your, your prep work is, like, we'll just kind of tinker with a few things to add to your program and kind of help with that as opposed to really having to teach you how to prepare. It's more of like, you know how to prepare, but here's a couple extra things that we can add to your program. Mm -hmm. Have you ever dealt with a big language bearer when you're getting players that are coming from different countries do you work with the different translators or do you know different languages uh, like Spanish to communicate with these players? I'm, I'm not bilingual, but I've worked in baseball long enough to pick up some Spanish so I can communicate a little bit, not just the San Diego Padres, but baseball in general, like there's a big Latin American influence. So there's a lot of Latin American and bilingual coaches and other people around. So I've never really felt like I was in a situation where like I'm working with a player. He doesn't really speak clear English. I don't really speak very good Spanish or, or, you know, Korean or Japanese or whatever, wherever that, that particular player is from, where I'm like, I don't know how to connect with this player. It's there's always enough staff around that can always help beauty of modern technology. You've got translator apps where you can communicate through there as well. So there's always plenty of opportunities for people to be around to help. So, and then when you get the you know, players that are more from like the Pacific Rim, so you, we get players from Japan and South Korea and Taiwan. A lot of them are provided a translator at first until they, they know the language enough over here that, that they can kind of function on their own in regards to translating. So there's always somebody around to help. Like it's rarely in a situation where, sorry, sir, like I don't know how to help you. You know, best of luck. Like that's never a situation. Like there's always enough around to, to make sure that we can provide whatever we need for that player and make sure that the player gets exactly what he needs. And he's walking away now like, well, I needed more, but I don't really know how to communicate. Like guys are getting what they need and they're able to um, adequately communicate all that. Let's kind of transition into your actual day-to-day role during the season with the Padres. You know, you're traveling with the team, you're going to these games. 
it's a grind, like you mentioned, season regular season starts, you know, early first week of April and goes all the way to, you know, end of September. And then if the Padres are fortunate to make the postseason, that runs into October. So, you know, talk about the, the schedule on a day-to-day basis and then, you know, expand it out to, to the weeks and months. Great question. So it's it's a lot more than just starting April 1st. Like right now we're, it's January 27th and we're gearing up to go down to spring training here in two weeks. For us, a lot of our season is starting February 10th, you know, so it's, there's a lot of preparation that kind of goes in it. So our day to day, it's like a lot of our games are night games. So it's, you're looking at our seven o'clock games. And for those games, like we're, we're typically reporting around 1230, one o'clock. So we arriving at, at that time where we meet as a, as a staff or meeting as a medical strength conditioning and coaching staff. And we're kind of running down the list of all the players of who we have and like, how are they feeling? And what, what did they do yesterday? How did they perform yesterday? What did the last couple of days look like for them just from a performance or corrective exercise program base and how, how are they reporting? What are we anticipating out of them today? And what does today look like? And what do the next few days look like for that player? So we do that for half hour, hour or so. And then we're, we kind of prepare for the, the game itself. So we're setting up the dugout, whether it's hydration stations and making sure that everything's stocked up and ready to go for when the players arrive. Around like 1:30 ish, a lot of our players are starting to arrive. A lot of the guys that are like on the IL are a little more banged up that need a little extra care. Those guys are showing up around that time to start getting treatment. So we're doing treatment with those guys between 1:30 and 3, 3:30 ish to make sure those guys are ready to go. And if those guys are on particular programs, that they're out on the field at early enough so they can get all that work done. So guys that are hurt, they need to be on throwing programs or hitting progressions or or uh, like running progressions or whatnot, that stuff's getting done early enough in the day. So if they need extra work or they need to be getting extra time with the video coordinator or extra time in the cage, there's enough time to get that done. Batting practice is going to be around 3, 3.30. So we're out there for that. Pitches are out there throwing. There's usually one of us with the pitchers, one of us with the hitters. So we can really see how all the pitchers are throwing. If there's any like little things that we're seeing that might be different than the previous day or whether it's like their throwing forms different or they're not throwing as long as they normally do, we can kind of meet with those particular players and find out what's going on, whether it's just like that's what they're doing that day or is there something else? Batting practice is over at 5.30. We'll come in, um, start getting players that are starting in the game, getting those guys ready. Uh, so starting pitcher, position players, those guys are getting ready, guys getting taped, getting hydrated, guys getting stretched out, whatever little care that they need. That stuff's all getting done and then the game starts at seven. Three hours of the game, we're in the dugout providing hydration, towels, any little emergency care, bandages, tape, they need ointments, whatever, we're able to provide all that stuff on site. Then game's over, we're doing post-treatments and doing our documentation at the end of the day. So that's kind of like what a single day looks like. You talked about like, what what does that look like for the weeks and months? So a lot of our schedule is you're at home for seven to 10 days and you're on the road for seven to 10 days. So there's a lot of preparing for each city and stocking up our, we've got half a dozen trunks and bags that need to be supplied. We're usually leaving for game, leaving for the road trip, like the right after the game. So we're flying into the city the night before and arriving to the field early the next day and preparing our whole setup there at the. So if we're flying in Kansas City, we're flying in the night before our game and we're preparing the Kauffman Stadium for our arrival like that next morning. There's a lot of looking at the rigors of the full season. That's why it's a lot more important for our players to we're really pushing hydration, nutrition, good sleep habits, because there's no magic pill to or shortcut when it comes to guys recovering, injury prevention, performance. Like you really have to stay diligent about a lot of these smaller things. And 
Like when it comes down to recovery, like that's the big stuff that's going to make a difference. There's no like magic supplement or magic big upper that you can take. That's going to make you revved up for the game. It's like, you have to sleep well. You got to try to stay regular. You eliminate your distractions, really knowing how much sleep that you need when you need to get it. Hydration status, like you really need to know, like we have the opportunity to really being able to identify how guys sweat. So we like, we use this company and, and we can identify like how, like if you're a heavy sweater, are you some, are you someone that discharges a lot of sodium? So we can preload your day with a lot more electrolyte based drinks, as opposed to something like you might sweat a lot, but you don't really like discharge a lot of electrolytes. You might be someone who just needs more water. So we can tailor up specific drinks for those particular individuals. So they're as hydrated as they can before the day, during the game, after the game, and the nutrition we're able to provide you know, a really good supply of nutritious food for them. So it's a lot less, you know, junk food and just so you're, yeah, we flew in late, like why don't you just hit the Denny's across the street, get yourself a grand slam and you'll be fine. Like, no, we're providing good food so that they, they can really set the stage for their body to recover, regenerate and rebuild so that they are as they're able to perform at the same level that they did in April as they are able to do it in September now, hopefully October. You mentioned, you know, injury prevention, really preparing their bodies for instance, if a player, a pitcher, or a hitter coming off the IL, coming off the 30-day, 60-day injured list, how do you determine with the player that they're they're finally ready to return? That's the name of the game is being able to really identify how much workload you can stack on them right away. So it's a lot of this comes like way early on than like hitting that point. So it's really establishing a good connection and relationship with that player. So you really know that player. So you really know what makes them tick, how much that you can load on them. So you really understand what, what they can and can't. And that's like kind of the beauty about being an athletic trainer. It's like you really be, being able to build these relationships with these players. It's, yeah, like setting up the field and watching the games are great, but it's really like the relationship that you build. Guy gets hurt, like you're spending like one-on-one -on -one time with them, anywhere between two to eight hours a day with this place. You really know that player in and out. You really build a relationship, really build a friendship and a bond with them. So now when we're kind of getting along to these, these timelines, we're like, okay, now we need to establish when this player is able to, are they ready for their first game back or do they need more bullpens? Do they need more uh, simulated games? Do they need more minor league assignments? Or how, when they come back, how often should we play them? And a lot of that is knowing the player and it's also knowing like their medical history. Biggest indicator of injury is previous injury. So if you're someone that's had two or three hamstring injuries in the, over the last two, three years, and you had a hamstring deal in spring training now they're coming off of 60 day IL in August with a hamstring injury like okay we know like we kind of have to tread a little bit lightly in regards to like building you back up instead of just throwing you right back into the fire and saying go get them the progressions that we build out are tailored to them and tailored to the workload so that we're able to adequately and safely ramp them up to a high level while making sure that they can recover and and come back and do the same thing the following day or in two days. So when we're making the decision that this player is ready to come back, it might not be, okay, outfielder's coming back. I think what's going to be safe for him is we can have him, you know, he can play the game today and then we'll have him DH tomorrow or we'll give him the day off tomorrow. He can play two days off day, three days off day. So there's, there's a ramp up to getting him into being able to play six to seven days again. And then it's really communicating with him how he's feeling coming out of that. Like, are you recovering? Are you fatiguing out earlier than you, you feel like you should be? Are you ending the game with good energy and got good strength? Like you still got more on the tank 
where you're like, you know, I'm hitting the seventh, eighth inning and I'm like, I'm pretty exhausted. Like, okay, what can we tailor to your program to make sure that you're, you're able to handle the workload of the full game? And a lot of that's coming in like before they're even at that stage too. But every once in a while you get those guys where it's like, okay, like we're still kind of dealing with some lingering stuff, but like we need to kind of like make sure that they're, they're I mean, they're checking all the boxes. They've got good strength. They're responding well, but like it's just stuff we're going to have to manage because it's, you know, it's September. Like they've been playing baseball since February. Like we just got to get them through and make sure that they're doing it as safely as they can. So uh, Ben, uh, welcome to the show. Um, I want to talk about uh, one of the biggest injuries that, that happens in baseball, and that's uh, Tommy John, named after a former MLB pitcher named Tommy John. He tore his UCL, and uh, he had to get a surgery, which ended up being called Tommy John surgery. I've read and like people talk about how it makes the arm stronger. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about what happens in Tommy John surgery and why like, a lot of pitchers come out of it stronger than uh, before? Sure, sure. So Tommy John surgery and Tommy John rehab is, is a very long process. So for those that don't understand or know what, what that is, it's, it's, a, it's a medial elbow ligament injury. So pitcher is pitching or anyone that's throwing, the ligament on the inside of their elbow is compromised. So there's, there's tearing, whether that, that's the full rupture or there's enough tearing that the stability and the integrity of the elbow isn't able to continue to perform at the high level consistently like it did before. So there's a surgery that needs to be done to repair and reconstruct that ligament. That process typically takes before they're back playing at a high level game. Before they're playing in a game is usually anywhere between roughly about 14 months. Some it, you can shorten it by a month or a few weeks, but the average is about 14 months. And sometimes it goes much longer. And then from there, it's before they're really playing at the same level that they were before, sometimes can take up to 16 to 18 months. The surgery itself, it's hard to say that the surgery itself made them stronger than they were before. Maybe it made them stronger than they were before from the, from the standpoint of the, when they had the injury, it probably wasn't like they had a really strong ligament. They had a really strong elbow. Everything was perfect. And then there's one pitch and the boom, like the ligament went. But there's a lot of times where this is a repetitive trauma over and over, over the course of days, months, years, guys had a few elbow sprains before like there's been some compromise in there and finally they're at a point where like the rest of it went and now we need to have the surgery so from the standpoint of now we have a fully intact ligament reconstructed in there yes it is the integrity of the of the elbow might be better but you're looking at the rigors of what that rehab process is for 12 to 14 months like it's an intense rehab you're one of our players and you're rehabbing with us like that rehab process, like you're, it's, it's four to six hours a day of intense strengthening for 14 months. So <clears throat> the survey itself probably helps. I mean, it helps a lot in regards to like, are they coming back stronger? You're doing an intense forearm, elbow, shoulder, total body strengthening program while kind of fixing up whatever throwing mechanics or whatever little baseball skill-like stuff that you're doing for 14 months. Yeah, you're going to come back feeling much stronger than you were before. And a lot of those guys are coming back playing much better than they were before because of that but it's not so much because okay we had the one thing repaired now you're strong again it's it's that in combination with a very diligent rehab process it's not a foolproof plan you get the surgery you're 100 you're coming back like there's still you know, i think the success rate for a first time tommy john is like 83 percent. so you can get the surgery and there's not that doesn't guarantee that you're going to come back and be a better pitcher than you were before like they're 
there's a lot of, you know, there's setbacks that go along with that, but if you stay diligent, you're following what the doctors were prescribing and, you know, depending on whatever stuff you have else going on, like you can set yourself up for success, but it's not a guarantee. I would say um, it's not a guarantee, but if you hard work, perseverance, uh, doing every little thing right, your chances of success are definitely extremely a lot higher if somebody who doesn't do that stuff. Yeah, one thing I'm really interested is um, talk about cardio and getting the body ready to go for the season. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of issues in youth sports today has been uh, overuse injuries. Very common in basketball. Um, I think baseball and in some ways has that issues and probably in every sport if just looking at it. Um, one of the ways that a lot of people are doing cardio is with like exercise, bike or the elliptical. Um, how effective is uh, cardio exercise for MLB players and how much do, do you guys like recommend uh, MLB players doing that in the, whether it's like during spring training or the off season? Yeah, so cardio is important for sure. But a lot of our condition, if you look at the dynamic of baseball, it's it's more of like an anaerobic sport. Um, so what I mean by that is a lot of the stuff that's happening is more quick twitch stuff. You know, you're an outfielder, you're standing in the outfield, the line drives hitting the gap, boom, you got a sprint, you're there within two to three seconds and make the play. So it's a lot less about like, can you get on the bike and ride for 30 minutes? Does that really prepare your body from a cardiovascular fast twitch or slow twitch response for you to be able to play the outfield? A lot of like the, the longer endurance was probably more like for the starting pitcher because it's an anaerobic action, but it's also repetitive over the course of a game, which is, you know, two to three hours. Or if you're a relief pitcher, it's you know, a matter of 10, 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, however long that is. So we have all those resources available, but a lot of our conditioning is going to be more like sprint work, 30 yards, 60 yard runs, really like prime their body for like the, the energy system that they're going to need for the game. So in regards to setting up for spring training, there might be more conditioning involved at the, at the early stage because there isn't much other workload going on. Like you're not having to go through a full pregame, batting practice, game routine. Your offseason consists of your weight room work, your throwing program, your hitting, and then you can do extra conditioning there. So you're kind of really tailoring out like your workload to set up like this foundation of, having an ability to manage a larger workload once you get to the season. And then once you get to the season, your workload is a little bit less in regards to the conditioning and the weight room work, but it's still intense though. It's, it's, it's still like maximize what you can so you can maintain what you built in the off season. So you're talking about conditioning and strengthening. There's a lot more that's happening in the off season to build up that strength. But once you're in season, it's a lot more of just maintaining what you built there. So you're not losing that. So when you go into the course of a long season, not like you're losing in the month you hit like august september you're like man i'm out of gas i've lost 15 pounds of muscle because i'm not able to manage it it's like can we you built up 20 pounds of muscle in the off season and now you just need to be able to maintain that and be able to use that for the duration of the full season absolutely uh next i want to talk about is um getting through a 162 game season for a player uh cal ripkin jr got through uh I think, uh, I don't know how many, like over a decade, 162 uh, seasons. How do players uh, get through 162 game season recovery wise? And also I'm kind of curious, like why don't a lot of players today uh, play a full 162 game season? And uh, what's kind of like the science behind uh, taking, having some off days and maybe playing like 140 to 150 games per season? 
That's a great question. If I had an answer to that, I'd be making a lot more money if I could keep guys in the field for 162 instead of 120 or 130. But it regard, like recovery is the name of the game. You know, it's it's a lot of games and there isn't a whole lot of downtime. So a lot of it is if we can maximize their time to recover before the next event, then we're going to try to maximize and take as much as we can. So recovery process for us is taking place immediately after the game is happening. So we have a lot of resources for them. We provide a lot of soft tissue work. We have acupuncture, dry needling. We got cold plunges, hot plunges, contrast whirlpools, a lot of recovery modalities that these guys can utilize as soon as the game is over to kind of really set the stage for their body to regenerate, recover, rebuild for tomorrow's bent. It's not like they go, they finish the game, they go home, they come in and now like, hey, I need to get some work done. You know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Like we could have, we could have really maximized, you know, the morning and the night before. So it's, it's really taking a lot of these little things very seriously. And like a lot of the prep work going into the year and going into the season is really setting the foundation for these guys to really endure a full season. You know, like a lot of, like it's, it's building up what we call like a chronic workload. So it's for someone who's 16 that doesn't, hasn't had to go through that. Like that's a very, that's a very challenging process to be able to now you're going from playing a high school season. Now you're playing a full minor league 142 game season. Like, there is an adaptation process and a ramp up to be able to manage that. So a lot of it's just kind of building up their, their strength and they're building up their, their body and really learning like what their body needs to prepare and what their body needs to recover, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Or maybe you get these, get these players that, you know, they need a lot more soft tissue work and they need it regularly. Some people don't, they know how to manage it and they, they have their own tools or exercises that they like to use. And it's really like setting the body up to recover. So it's whether it's it's an exercise program that really sets their joints up to be balanced so that there isn't as much stress when they don't need to be stressed. And then when they need to be loaded up, that they can manage that load. It's a very intricate process of being able to figure out what works for each player. And it's not, there's no cookie cutter plan for this is our Padre plan and this is what we do for everybody. It's really making it individualized and really knowing and communicating with the player what they need. It's much different sport than it was. You know, the game is faster and it's harder and it's uh, youth athletes like they playing year round then like when we were kids like you know you played baseball in the spring and the summer and then in the fall you played football and then in the winter you played basketball and now kids play baseball 11 12 months out of the year so they're getting a lot of stress year round so they're when we're, we get them like there's a lot more wear and tear on their bodies than there ever was in the 80s and 90s when you're drafting an 18 year old so it's it's a much different athlete than it was 15 20 30 years ago there was like this statistic that uh, when I was at a uh, con- or was like at a uh, event at my school from a guy named Dr. Brian Hayline. He's a uh, works in the NCAA and like like some of like the society and sport and stuff. I think in that nature. And he was talking about like how like he gave the stat that like every youth pitcher who's pitched in the Little League World Series has never made it to the major leagues. So one of my questions is, um, do you think the most common injuries from players that players that get like the most severe injuries come from players that play year round baseball versus like players who just play like maybe summer and fall, maybe just focus on basketball or some other sport in like the winter and do like track and field a little bit in the spring. It's difficult to to make that connection. I mean, I can't say without a shadow of a doubt, if you did it this much, then you're, you're not going to make it. It's that's hard to say. I, I would say that, the athletes that now play year round at a younger level and much earlier, their body is taking on a lot more stress, more wear and tear than the athletes that aren't. Now that's not saying that they're going to get hurt, 
that's just saying that they're, they're they might they may be more predisposed to more wear and tear injuries because they've they're taking on that load at an earlier age when they don't have the capacity or the foundation to manage that. But I mean, you see cases where kids do that, and you know they play a full career. You know, they play through high school, college, and professionally, and they don't have any issues. So it's it's hard to say. There are definitely some like precursors that you can kind of make some assumptions, but it's you know it's a lot of it's like you coming in and it's like how do you go about your business? You you can have a lot of you know wear and tear, but if you've learned from that and now you're you've kind of setting up your program how to manage all that stuff and really manage your body, then you're gonna be better off than the person that you know they've never had any injuries, but they don't really do much to take care of their body when they are playing. Definitely. Uh, would you say? Uh, would you say like? Do play? Do you think players get injured because also when when it comes to strength training that they, their technique has been uh, like incorrectly and they've been like doing like maybe like a squat like a little bit maybe like a little bit more not with the proper technique or other exercises? Do you see a correlation between uh, doing like exercises like the form with poor form on uh, like squats and stuff and that leads to injury? I mean, there's definitely an element of that. Like if I'm doing an exercise incorrectly and improperly over a period of time, then I'm, there's a good chance I'm going to be more predisposed to an injury when I'm doing that. But for me to say like, okay, this guy does a really poor squat and now that that's correlating this guy continuing to get hamstring injuries in the outfield. Like there's a lot of variables that go into when and how somebody does get hurt. And it's a lot more than just how is their technique in the weight room a lot of that sets them up for either success or, you know, maybe not being as successful, but you can't make one conclusion of saying, if this is happening now, this is going to happen. The baseball travel and the baseball life is, it's, it's a very rigorous, you know, let's, you've got travel, you've got sleep, you've got hydration, you've got nutrition, you've got your, your strength program, you've got your, what you're doing to prepare for the day, you've got your, you know, the issues going on at home, like these are all big variables that kind of come into like who the player is as a whole. And you can only influence so much of it. And there's a lot of it that's out of your control. For us, like what we can control is like what's happening when they come to the field and like we can set them up with as much as they can, but set them up for being able to recover and be ready to go the following day. But it's, it's difficult to make the, the conclusion that if they're doing something wrong, then something is going to you know that if they are doing something incorrectly, like that kind of sets them up for maybe not being as successful. So when you're looking at, you know, baseball movement in general, like a lot of like this power, not just baseball, but any sport, like a lot, a lot of it is just sequence of movement. Just, be, just because you're big and strong doesn't mean that you're going to be a great pitcher. You know, if that's the case, then like guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger should have been able to throw, you know, 200 miles an hour. That's not the case. It's really just how you're sequencing your movement and how well are you moving to get the ball to where it should be. And then, and, and then from there, can you repeat that? And can you be consistent with that? So the stuff that we can control in the weight room and in the athletic training room is making sure that we can continue to allow that sequence to happen without too much variability. And then we can give them the ability that if they're not consistent with that, that they have like a little bit of wiggle room that they can kind of bounce back and, and be healthy and still do it instead of being like, you have to do it this one way. And if you don't, then you're going to get hurt. So it's really kind of giving them whatever, whether it's like a mobility issue, whether it's a strength issue, whether it's just a conditioning issue, set them up to have what we would call like a, a capacity to work and manage that while trying to manage all these other factors that are influencing the game to 
allow them to stay being able to perform at a high level and stay healthy. Very good point uh, right there. Um, what's the most common injury that you've seen from players, no matter if they're a pitcher, catcher, first baseman, shortstop, or outfielder? Elbows for sure are, are up there. I mean, just with the nature of pitching, elbows are, are definitely high. And say hamstrings are also bigger, like it's not as talked about, but it's also, you know, you're not out as long either as like compared to an elbow. So hamstrings like for position players are always a bigger issue. Shoulders are always important too, like shoulders and low backs, like low backs are probably bigger for, for catchers as well as position players, depending on, you know, moving from field surfaces. So you, we play at Petco Park, like we play on a grass field and then we travel to Arizona and it's turf field. So there's, there's going to be changes in like the setup of the field that can have influences on the body. So I would say like your main, like your bigger stuff is going to be elbow and shoulder for pitchers, low backs, maybe hips for catchers hamstrings for position players. Those are probably some of the main ones, but there's a lot more than just that. But if you want me to pick out a few, those are probably some of our bigger ones. Definitely. I, I would, I would guess, I would have guessed like arm injuries would have been like the most common in my, in my opinion, based on like watching baseball and is just playing the game and yeah, elbows and shoulders for sure. Yeah, Ben, I uh, really appreciate having you on the show. You've definitely gave us a lot of great information, shared a really good story. Um, where uh, can we uh, support you and uh, find you uh, online? Sure. Um, I'm on like most of the social networks. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I don't like put out a whole lot of stuff, but you can, if someone had questions, like you can definitely find me on that. I would say probably uh, maybe Twitter, like my handle is Ben Fraser, B-E-N-F-R-A-5-E-R. So if you send me a message there, I'd be happy to respond back and answer any questions there. But thanks for having me on the show, guys. This has been a really great, great time with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Ben. And we appreciate you providing your your insight about your time so far with the Padres and your past experience as an athletic trainer. We got a lot out of this. And you're a first athletic trainer to, to come on. So we appreciate it. No, well, thanks for having me. This is a great time. Could it be you calling me down? All that I am is all that you see. For those who are listening to our show for the first time, all our past and future episodes are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Sports Mecca.